0: This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. That's code CHGO on PointsBet. Hello, my name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Tuesday, March 22nd. If you are joining us on Twitter or via YouTube, you are seeing us doing this live, which marks the first time that Brendan and I are doing video or doing this live, or as a little trivia for those of you that have been listening to us for six years, this is the first time Brendan and I can see each other as we're doing this podcast. Wow. You look at, what shirt are you wearing there? Uh, Pearl Jam Wrigley Field. I
1: like it. Yeah. You got yeah. the Cubs stuff in the background. I got to like update the uh, setting back here, but Corey, you look good. Really yeah. Good.
0: It's good <laughs> to see you. You, you too, Brendan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, of course, if you're listening to this on your podcast app, this will be, you know, basically the same podcast as always, but we wanted to try this out. And what you're missing is that I have the full 2003 Chicago Cubs roster in a framed photo uh, over my, who's, in the, who's in the middle there of that picture. That It's Mark Pryor, isn't it? In the middle? No, Matt Clement. Mark Pryor's on top. All right, Matt Clement. Sorry, I'm I'm looking through the the camera. But anyway, uh, that little introduction aside, uh, there's plenty to get to. So, of course, you heard uh, Luke, Cody, and Ryan this afternoon, and you'll hear them every day. Brendan and I are going to be in, I think, later this week at certain points, but we want to get right into the conversation. Uh, today, we're going to talk about kind of, you know, we've mentioned before looking back at the off season in its totality, right, not necessarily reacting to every move. And while maybe some stuff can trickle in, the board is pretty much empty, save for uh, Michael Conforto, who's still out there, but with a pick attached. So probably not going to be relevant to us. So we want to kind of look back at the offseason, then talk a little bit about uh, what we're looking for in spring training. As you know, there's only a couple weeks here before opening day things to keep an eye on, and then have Brendan take us through a little bit of the pitching staff uh, in his lab or whatever we're calling Brendan's pitching dissertations. Want to start with a little bit of news just to keep you guys current as we're doing all of this content. Um, Hello, John, Nick. Yes, welcome to the, if you're on YouTube, we can see your comments. uh, So appreciate you guys joining us. Hopefully you're you're liking seeing us for the first time. Um, Kyle also has this 2003 plaque, good stuff. Um, want to just keep you guys up to date. Uh, A couple of arbitration settlement, uh, news, which is very exciting. I know Ian Happ and the Cubs settle $6.85 million. So they avoid arbitration there. The less than exciting news is that the Cubs will be going to arbitration with one Wilson Contreras. So you've heard the rumors, uh, Cody, Luke, and Kyle had a really great conversation about Wilson Contreras the other day. So I don't know that we're going to delve too much into that. But Brendan, given the trade rumors, the kind of emotional reactions we've seen from Wilson already, uh, the fact that you know this may get drawn out a couple weeks longer, if you're hoping that Wilson can maintain the relationship with the Cubs, this maybe isn't the best news. Yeah. I mean, the way he's handled
1: it, in in the media, I thought has been pretty straightforward. Listen, he went through the core being traded. So the understanding that this is a business is pretty clear. I mean, good for him. He's gonna to go to arbitration, try to get the most money out of it. But will that affect negotiations? I I don't know. You know, we've been through this before in the past. We'll see what happens, but I guess right now it does seem a little bit unsettling. Like you never want to see your at this point, like the longest tenured position player and the guy who's leading your pitching staff at a crucial time go through this type of drama. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. I would like to see him sign long-term, but I don't think this current little mishap is going to affect
0: that. You and I have kind of talked in the past and maybe we're not necessarily the most enthusiastic on extending Contreras of all the players that had been extension candidates. I think where it gets kind of a little concerning or, you know, maybe kind of shifts the perspective is that you didn't extend anybody else. And now this is another guy who's making it very clear. He'd like to be a Chicago cub. You know, one thing you can count on with Wilson is that he wears his heart on his sleeve. Right. And, you know, this would just be another guy where the Cubs would just be like, yeah. And, and maybe that's not what happens, but it, it does kind of in a vacuum moving on from any of those guys, I think, Make sense. I think extending each of them made sense. Again, one by one in a vacuum. Yeah. When you have guys continually saying, "I'd love to be a Cub for life. I love the fans. I love the city. I love the team," and it doesn't work out for one reason or another, I I can see why Cubs Twitter is the mess that it has been for the last. Yeah, I days.
1: mean, listen, I, I understand it, right? Like, I don't want to see. I like Wilson's attitude. Like, I really I respect that competitive nature. Yeah. Now, when it comes from when, from the perspective of him being signed long term, he's likely looking at getting paid as if he is going to be a perennial top five catcher. And maybe as he should. You see JT Realmuto get, you know, nine figure contracts. I don't know what Wilson's camp thinks he's worth, but personally, if the number is approaching that type of tier, then maybe it does make sense to wait it out. I, listen, I love Wilson's attitude. The numbers make sense. He's caught tons of innings. But with that being said, catchers offensively don't age the best. He has had his share of injuries the last few years, and he's been kind of inconsistent as a result. So the injuries are not necessarily his fault, but it's hard to project him accurately when you do miss those games, when you do miss those type of data points. Looking at it right now, the last two seasons, and it was a COVID-shortened season, but 337 weight on base average last year the year before that 336 the year before that his best season yet with 368 but you know going forward he's going to be approaching he will be 30 years old this year the probability that offensive production lasts even given this type of injury uh, recent history most guys don't last that's just the reality of the situation so yeah We'll see what the contract negotiations look like. If we're talking about like 40 to 50 million, it's a different conversation. But if we're talking about 80 million, 90 million, then, you know, maybe it does make sense just to let it play out a little bit.
0: Sure. And I, I, I think it's it's a it's a nuanced conversation. I think the, you know, where I kind of see where people are coming from, uh, you know, is that Amaya's dealt with injuries. So we're not at that place that we were maybe a couple of years ago where you kind of just assuming he would, take that role. Um, and again, you know, you, you haven't extended anybody, the level of for sure, major league talent you have on this roster going forward is not great. So, you know, again, like I, I, understand where you're coming from with catchers and their value and, and how they age and stuff like that. But I, I, I see where people are coming from where it's like, okay, like, sure, but what's the plan? Like who, yeah. who's playing catcher and why are you not keeping any of these above average, sometimes much more than that, players at any of these positions that want to be Cubs, right? But let's see how that plays out. Maybe they engage in extension talks. Maybe those trade rumors are real. I, we'll have plenty of time to continue touching on that. Uh, yeah. But what I want to do is talk about the off season, right? So again, maybe they make some more minor moves. Maybe there's trades. The, because of the nature of the lockout and just the way that this is all played out, it's a pretty rapid process, but it seems for the most part, like this is kind of the group the Cubs are going to be going with. So when you look at how everything played out, and I mean, we can go through all of the names, but even just throwing some of them out there, right? You have, of course, Marcus Stroman, Seiya Suzuki being the big names, and then a, a bunch of other stuff, right? Like Stephen Brault, Drew Smiley, Daniel Norris, Jonathan VR. Um, Michael Givens, Robert Gesselman, Chris Martin, David Robertson, Andrelton Simmons, like names. it, it, it goes on and on and on. They, they, they have spent some money, but as it stands right now, they would be in the lower half of the league in payroll. Yeah. So look at this, however you want, right? You can, you can judge the off season based on, Hey, they're the Chicago Cubs. They charge it's the most expensive game day experience, uh, in, in baseball or one of them, you can judge it against that and, and where their payroll is and what this team kind of projects to do right now, or go on what Tom and Jed said, which was, you know, 2022 is not going to be the year, but we're going to have some money. We're going to spend some money to make this team competitive. How would you look at this off season and, you know, letter grade number pass fail, whatever you want to do, but just like, how are you putting this off season in perspective?
1: It's, I think there was, (laughs) yeah, I'm, because I'm conflicted because I love the Stroman signing. Like I genuinely love his potential, his attitude. And I do think they got him at the perfect price. The Suzuki signing also makes sense. I think those two guys in the 2022 window, if they are competing, they're going to be big reasons that they are, and they do have a long-term impact. So I'm conflicted, though, because then you look around the other portion of the roster, you have shortstop that's kind of volatile, even second base with Nick Madrigal. Maybe you want more flexibility there as well. And the other guys on the market, you know, from the outfield perspective, outside of Suzuki, didn't really add that much. So I I get the hesitancy for the positional group, even though they went out and got Simmons, even though they went out and got... VR and they got a lot of these outfielders that might mix and match and end up working fine, but where they missed out, I think, is really shoring up that infield depth, getting that staple shortstop. Even though I'm curious to see how Nico plays out, but the way the shortstop market played out with Javi going for that much money, Seager going for 300 mil, uh, Correa getting those opt outs and getting all that money up front, and then Trevor Story getting was $160 million that. That was a surprise. I did not anticipate Story would get that much money. I did not even anticipate Javi would get that much money. And the Correa opt-outs for those two years, clearly that didn't fit the Cubs' um, strategy. So they missed out on that. I'm disappointed on the shortstop market. But from the other point of view, the starting pitching on paper doesn't look good. But I can can see it working out. And even missing on Tony at first base uh, for that amount of money, you know, Frank will be interesting. The platoon with boss will be interesting, but then again, it's like it's all about confident projections, limiting the randomness. And they didn't really do that. There's a possibility that randomness shifts in their favor. I do think that's a legitimate possibility, but you know, the other possibility is also very realistic, and it goes the other way. So in terms of like an off-season grade, you know, they have a lot of flexibility for 2023. They have the pieces. In place that you could see it working out for 2023, but for the 2022 window, you know, C minus C plus. Okay. I think that's fair, right?
0: That That's probably what I have it at. I, you know, if you're looking at like a pass fail, I think they were close. But I'm I'm gonna call it a fail at this moment.
1: And what was your tipping point? Like like for me for me. I, I short think time they market.
0: were a, a couple I think they were maybe a couple more moves away. Um yeah. and I think it was Nick that made a good point that they spent the fifth fifth most dollars this offseason, but are sitting at about fifteenth overall yeah, in major point. league payroll. Uh there it is from Nick on the YouTube chat. So I I think where I'm saying that they're close but not quite there is kind of as you were pointing out like they didn't lift the floor of this team enough for me like you are asking for a lot to go right for this team to truly be competitive uh and it can happen right I don't I don't want it to be taken as though I'm writing off the season you guys know I'm i I'm one of the you know dumb guys that still has season tickets so I'll be there on opening day like I, I'm not knocking the team necessarily but You have so many questions, right? Frank Schwindel repeating, wisdom repeating, Wilson staying healthy with the benefit of Jan Gomes, anybody in the outfield performing, right? Say a Suzuki coming over and being the player he was in the MPB or taking that next step, especially in his first year in the majors and in America. Um, The lack of, you know, a a depth or a, a proven like high caliber starting shortstop, as you said, The pitching staff, a lot of ground balls, slow throwers, the back end with Alzelay out for a little bit. Like who's doing that? The bullpen, they spent some money there. They added some good guys, but it's a lot of question marks, you know, uh, older guys or very young guys. So for me, the reason that I think we all harped on Correa or Trevor Story or even Javi Baez when the offseason started is because that would have answered one of the questions, not in a small way, in a very clear, above average, you know, closer to elite level player. And it would have yeah. eliminated some of the questions. So maybe a bunch of this stuff goes right. Maybe Clint Frazier is the player that the Yankees had as one of the best prospects in baseball for a while, right? Maybe but it's a lot of questions that definitely more questions and answers than you have on this team. And for the Chicago Cubs, it's not good enough for me. And it's not what, you know, Tom kind of went on marquee and, and said about being competitive. You look around the division, right? The Brewers significant addition is Andrew McCutcheon, right? They have a great pitching staff. They have proven that they can do the run prevention thing, get big performances out of guys. Adamas came over, Urias came over, right? Yelich when he came over, even though he hasn't been good the last few years. Yeah, not been good. Correct. Yeah. They they have a, a a strategy, a way of playing baseball that has worked, right? But they're not, I don't think, in that like, you know, Dodgers or Braves or Red Sox type tier, right? The Cardinals are going to be without Flaherty for an indefinite amount of time. Reyes is going to miss a couple of months. And they didn't make any particularly significant additions beyond that. Goldschmidt is a year older. He's in his mid thirties, right? The reds selling off the pirates, a joke. If you had spent even 10, 20, 30 more million dollars, you'd be well below the luxury tax, well below where most of us want this team to be. And I think you could look everybody in the eye and say, yeah, we need some stuff to go right. But we believe this team, if they come out of the gate, And, you know, don't struggle, you know, come out hot, we can compete in this division. And I think they ultimately fell like a little bit short of that. And of course, we all have higher standards than than this, right? We're not looking to compete, maybe in the NL Central, we want championships, right? But they weren't going to do that. So we can argue about that until we're, you know, blue in the face, but like, this is where it is. So I, I'm. I ultimately land like they made some good moves. Seiya Suzuki hopefully is a big move for this franchise for years to come. Right? Strowman has been awesome, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I, I think they fell a bit short of delivering on what they said they were going to deliver on. I think. Yeah, we
1: heard the "spend
0: intelligently"
1: uh, phrase, right? Uh. I guess you can you can make the argument that they did. You can also make the argument that they didn't spend even smarter. But from from my perspective, also I'm torn on even answering that because there is a side of me that actually is curious to see how this plays out. You look at you're going to kill me for saying this, but and it's not you know this is not as a, a, a like straight comparison. But if you look at just the war projection. The Giants this year only have plus three more WAR projected from pitching and offense, and they lost Gossman, they lost Posey, but the rest of the team is intact. So the projections on paper it it looks it looks very grim. That's I'm not I'm not debating that, but from my perspective, like I am curious to see how a VR wisdom platoon plays out. I'm very curious about Frank Schwindel and Rivas, how that plays out. There is a side of me that actually is curious about Clint Frazier. And of course, we'll get into sure. this, but the entire pitching staff from the bullpen to the actual starting staff, I'm fascinated by that. And then you consider Nelson Velasquez, Brennan Davis. They do have room to maybe debut in, in the first few months of the season. What does that look like? So, I, so when we look at like the range of possibilities right right in the middle 75 wins undeniable there's also a lot of scenarios where it's below 75 but i do think there's a degree of confidence that's not there but that variability could lead to 82 wins 85 wins and that's within got an extra playoff spot yeah. It's within it's dude. It's a realistic possibility. It looks grim. Yes. I wanted them to spend more money. I was surprised how the market turned out, but you know,
0: what can you do? All right. So I I'm I'm think, take, yeah. I think that just before you do that, I, I think that we, like I said, I, I, I do think it's possible, right? Like there's a lot of talented guys in here. There's a lot of maybe untapped potential or things like that. And we've certainly seen, you know, especially in the bullpen, the way that this organization has kind of been able to get results, even when on paper, it maybe doesn't look as exciting. I I think I, I, you know, Joel put it in the chat here. Like, I kind of agree, like, I just wanted like maybe a little bit more to feel better. Like, yes, like this is a realistic play, this realistically, we can look at this and just feel like some of these risks have been mitigated and that you're just not asking as much from guys who have not necessarily proven that they can do it year in and year out at the major league level. But yes, like there's, it's not as though you look at this group and you go, you know, no, there's no chance in the world that this group comes together and is any good. We have seen rosters that are worse than this play well for months at a time, be in first place at, you know, the all-star break or something like that. And we've seen rosters that are better than this, sometimes it's happened with the Cubs where it takes them until the trade deadline or the all-star break to sort of kick things into gear. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's baseball, things can happen. I just, as we kind of look back at the off season, I wish they had just done like maybe a few more moves um, to sort of shore some things up and, and up that confidence level. It's yeah.
1: I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm still, I'm very curious how this plays out and
0: I don't know. You like, like stuff like this because I if do. you get to look into like the projections and what can <laughs> the Cubs tinker with to get this guy to do this, this is kind of
1: I got problems. This It's is more for problems. you to
0: do than if it's yeah. just like, yeah, this team's going to win yeah. 105 yeah. games. Yeah. I don't
1: know. That's why I brought up the Giants comparison. Again, I know you hate when I do this, but I brought the Giants comparison because, like, that's the template. Like, it worked out, and David Ross talked about it last season, where you want to use that your your look on your face right now. See, this is the difference of doing the show live. You hate me. <laughs> you hate me bringing this up. I this 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 is this is ridiculous. All right, I'm gonna well, do I'm this. Just, ad- I'm, yes. I'm
0: thinking like, okay, so like last year, the Giants had Evan Longoria, Buster Posey. Glory. Guys like that I know, who, I know, you know, maybe I know, I know. them getting hot, even though they're older and, yeah. you know, had been kind of maybe on the downturn seems more likely, I guess, than, you know, Jonathan VR and Andrelton Simmons just but lighting it's it way, up, right? It, so the, the I know what you mean. I know what you I mean. got to read this ad, but the compare the comparison is just like how they
1: split up their at-bats, like the majority of their it. guys. That's what it is. I'm just curious about it. I'm a weird baseball fan, but it is what it is. All right. I got two ads first time doing this live, I may run out of breath here. So bear with me. Uh, So our first sponsor is PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, they'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll get even more. And you'll get a shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 first time deposit at points bet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at all CHGO.com and we'll help you out. Your home for live in play betting just got even better introducing points bets new feature live college basketball same game parlay for the first time ever you can build the perfect live same game parlay only with points bet combine your favorites bets anytime during the game want more you can also boost your live same game parlays watch live parlay live and boost live with points bet That's a tongue twister got through it And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Plus during PointsBet Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Second sponsor. Our next partner, Athletic Greens, has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a quick, nutritious start to my day. I start my day working out and don't really have much of an appetite, making AG1 the perfect way to get all my nutrients. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. The great thing about AG1 is I can travel with it and keep that healthy lifestyle on the road. I even recommend it to my dad who needs this boost in his nutrition and it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it costs you less than $3 a day, making it both an extremely cost-effective investment in the overall quality of your life. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash chgocubs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com chgocubs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance I'm out of breath. That was a lot, but I think I nailed it.
0: And don't forget to support everything we're doing at CHGO, podcasts and live shows on every team, every day, post-game shows throughout each of the team seasons, and premium written content for members at allchgo.com. You get a free T-shirt of dope merch, as our friend Luke Stuckmeyer says, when you sign up to become a member at allchgo.com. You also get access to the members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge. So visit allchgo.com today and sign up to support everything we are doing. Okay, so... Let's talk about some of the spring training storylines. I actually do, okay. uh, it's it's not really breaking news, but I do want to read a quote from Wilson Contreras that we just oh, got. No. Is uh, it good no, or not? It, it's I, I think it's actually good uh, really? from Maddie Lee over at the Sun-Times uh, and the quote from Wilson about not, settling on, on the arbitration. Uh, I think if we had the regular time that we've had in years before, we would probably work it out, but this year there's basically no time to negotiate anything. So basically pointing to this kind of rapid process and how everybody showed up at spring training, you know, like a a week and a half ago. So just kind of tougher to get this stuff ironed out. So at least not another, uh, you know, sort of, negative bomb being thrown uh on on Cubs Twitter so take that for how you will and you know as as part of the CHIO coverage uh we'll keep an eye on that but I want to talk about some of the only a couple of weeks left in spring training, even though it literally just started, Brendan. Um, so, I want to talk about some of the stuff that we are keeping an eye on, some of the, the sure. things to monitor. Um, you know, in years past, we were kind of obsessed with like who's getting the at bats at leadoff, like what is Joe Madden or David Ross thinking there, things like that. But where I want to start is the shortstop position, the aforementioned shortstop position that you, me, and Luke Cody uh, have spent a lot of time talking about guys who are not the shortstop of this team, as it turns out, right? So talk to me about, for, let, let's talk about Andrelton Simmons first, right? I know people are not jazzed about, of all the people that they ended up with, right? It's Anderton Simmons. Not sure how it's all going to play out, um, but Jed pointed to having someone who can be a an elite defender there. We have talked a ton about the amount of ground balls this pitching staff is going to generate. And how who would you like to see there? How often would you like to see Andrelton Simmons there? And in particular for you, when you look at Andrelton's defensive metrics, defensive metrics are you know, sort of up in the air, uh, how you want to view them, but Anderson Simmons, despite only being an above average hitter three times in his career, he has two seasons where he put up more than five wins above replacement. And that is largely driven by the defense. So he's obviously a bit older removed from maybe those, there were years where he was unquestionably one of, if not the best defender in baseball. Where, where does he rank now? What do you expect out of him? And how do you want to see maybe these games divided up? I want to see Nico. I want to see what he
1: has. I think we've, we have not gotten a chance to fully understand Nico's potential for many reasons, injuries, uh, positional jams, weird COVID seasons. I want to see Nico. As far as Andrelton Simmons, you go to his fangrass page, you're gonna find he had negative 0.5 war last year. Not good. Scroll down the page, go to his UZR. His UZR was negative one. Not good defensively. Is that real or not real? UZR is prone to this huge variation. Takes a lot of time for this to stabilize. Now go to his baseball savant page. Go to his outs above average, 99th percentile. Best shortstop in the league last year by outs above average. You get this type of conflicting evaluation by these two numbers, but from outs above average standpoint, he was the best in Major League Baseball. So what that turns out for a run prevention in a war number, average maybe, and I think for that position that like you just want you know league average value- but for for me, I think the ideal way this works out is Nico grows up. He he hits his potential, his defensive value at shortstop. The projection there is kind of hit or miss. At second base, he was in the 98th percentile, and now it's above average at second base. Does that translate over to shortstop? We don't know. And he has matured a little bit, he's gotten bigger. He's aged. Maybe that type of athleticism does carry over to shortstop. And he plays above league average. And that heavy contact profile, and maybe the power gets boosted, makes Nico an above average shortstop, or at the very least, an average shortstop. We're gonna get the chance to see that this year. Hopefully he stays healthy. But for the first time, you know, in the last, was it three seasons now? I feel confident that Nico's role. Is understood. We know what he's going to do. We know where he's going to play. And maybe the ideal outcome is he plays the first six innings, Cubs take a lead. You bring in some of these guys who get heavy grounders, like Jesse Chavez. You know, put Simmons in. You got one of the best defensive middle infielder infields in the league. You move Nico to second base. You're not going to get a 90th percentile second baseman and 99th percentile shortstop on any other team. So I can see that working up quite well. Although it's
0: is. My confidence in that, you you can't be confident about that, but you can see it working out well. Yeah. I mean, given the way that this team has done some things in the past, I won't name any names. I'm expecting to see Simmons pretty frequently. Um, even see that, like, don't even you don't know who I'm referring to. to. There's a few people that they did this
1: with. See, I can see the smirk on your face now. I can they did this with multiple
0: people. All right. I'm not, we don't have to be talking about only that second baseman, but now you you put a position to it. I mean, (laughs) keep going some <laughs> listeners are new they may not know who we're referring to um Keep going. i, want to I i'm intrigued though with the scenario you offered up i don't know what would happen with nick madrigal and exactly how they're doing the dh position but the ability to have simmons at short and nico at second base i mean you're talking about a very very strong middle infield. But like you said, my, my priority, especially if you're not pushing all your chips in, in 2022, I, I want to see what, who Nico is, you know, that, that I think is is more of a priority who he is and who he can be. Is he the answer at shortstop long-term? Are they planning on that? Can he be that bridge guy to guys like Christian Hernandez Ed Howard, Reggie Preciato, etc. whoever ends up, you know, sort of taking hold of that position in, in the years to come. Um, but clearly, you know, you kind of look at Jed's comments. I'm expecting to see Simmons there a good bit. My my question to you kind of on that, now I, I know what you just said about Nico, but how do you think, given that they didn't bring in some elite shortstop, they didn't necessarily go crazy in terms of boosting the offensive potential, right? Unless some guys break out, which we've talked about. Prioritizing the defense to go along with this pitching staff. So just yeah. and and we got word today that I think the rosters are going to stay expanded uh, through I think twenty eight through into uh, late April or May as part of one of the the rule changes. But just like thinking aloud, right? Like if you had Patrick Wisdom at third. Andrelton Simmons at short Nico at second, and maybe even Alfonso Rivas at first base, because he's a a better defender rates better there than Frank. Maybe Frank is the DH or Nick is the DH, whatever, right? That is a much more like. It sure is. It's an infield built to the pitching staff that you have now, whether that group would be able to score any runs is anybody's best guess, right? That's a problem for the other half of the inning, but. Now I'm going to be very careful about this, right? Okay. There is almost no comparison. This team is years, light years behind the 2016 Chicago Cubs. But sure. no. I'm bringing them up here for two reasons. One, because we're live on camera and I want everybody to see what it looks like when I say it's a reminder that the 2016 Chicago Cubs won the World Series. They won the World Series, correct. And yep. then you say that, right? That's what it looks like for the last 6 yep. years. Yep. Um but a huge Key to that team was defense. That was a historic defense, one of the best MLB defenses of all time. One of the best, correct. Yeah. Again, this team is not even in the same conversation as the 2016 Chicago Cubs. But I'm just wondering if the organization, given how things played out, given how some of the markets played out, decided to say, "We've got this ground ball heavy pitching staff. We've got a ground ball heavy bullpen." We need to be able to align the team at times to just scoop up these outs and we're going to try to win on run prevention, like how they're going to score runs. We'll see, but we're going to try to win by preventing the other team from scoring on a pretty frequent basis.
1: Yeah. And we're forgetting too. we'll see if he makes a team, but Sergio Alcantara, great defender, one of the best middle infield arms, perhaps in the league. So he's there as well. Maybe he can shift to third base in some rare event. Wisdom, also one of the best arms at third base. Uh, his outs above average was in the 75th percentile last year. So if you assume that in the seventh inning, you know, you have Chris Martin come in, heavy grinder guy, Wisdom at third, Andrelton at shortstop, Nico at second, Rivas at first. That's That's a top tier defense, man. And the bullpen, there is some volatility, but what they do well, with some certainty, those guys is put the ball on the ground and have a weak contact. Now, the one, the one disappointing, one of perhaps many, but the one disappointing uh, thing they didn't go out and do in the off season was shore up that defensive outfield depth. So yeah. we don't really have that. So we do know that Suzuki's arm. Some scouts gave it a seventy. He's 96
0: in high school, so he's gonna pump it.
1: I mean, he's gonna bump it, but you know, Wrigley in right field is kind of difficult to play. You got the well out there, you got the sunshine. You know, we saw even Jason Hayward in his prime defensively has how, how does
0: say Suzuki react to the cup snakes behind him? We'll see. I, I don't know. That's a good point,
1: too. And then separately in left field, you know, Ian Hap, the defensive metrics have been very volatile throughout his career. He is getting a little bit older, the speed metrics have Decline for Ian. I'm not confident in the outfield defensively. And for Rafael Ortega, you look at his outfield jump rating. You look at his outs above average, 20th percentile, 80% of the league had better ratings than Rafael Ortega. So I don't know. You know, hopefully the ball is hit on the ground, but if it gets past the infield, I'm a little concerned how that plays yeah, out.
0: and and Jason Hayward, you know, I think it's it's fair to say that he's you know lost a little bit of a step, even though he still rates, uh, you know, I think above average in right field, but he's not as good of a center fielder. We see mean, at least, yeah. at least the metrics do not like him in, in center field, certainly as much. So that's the the though,
1: because like you can, you can see it, right. And he he hasn't, he doesn't doesn't have that big of a sample as, yeah, Yeah. there,
0: there were times early in his career and we can talk about how much playing time he should be, even be getting another day. Uh, But there were times where like ball off the bat, you sort of were just like, yeah, Jason's going to catch this. And that kind of changed, especially last year where there were balls, uh, especially watching on TV where I was like, Oh, like, he he didn't catch that. I, I thought he was going to get that, but that, so I the, know. the last thing we're going to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll have another ad break here in a second is the pitching storylines. And Brendan's going to have some graphics for that, but that's my, that's, that's kind of my biggest, uh, spring training storyline, and I'm not sure when we're going to get these answers really until we start seeing regular opening day and regular season lineups, but who's getting that playing time? We've seen Michael Hermosillo out there a little Uh, bit, you know, Clint Frazier, Ian Happ, you know, where is Jason Hayward playing? I'm assuming, you know, Rafael Ortega was one of those guys who got opportunities last year and showed he can be an above average producer at the plate against right-handed pitching. So I think he's going to draw those starts. So if say a Suzuki's playing every day in right field and Ortega's starting, uh, you know, at least in a platoon in center field, how are they divvying up those other starts? And is anybody taking hold of them? Now we've only had a handful of spring training games, so you don't have anything like this, but you know, over these next couple weeks, does anybody kind of pull a Jock Peterson right? And just get scorching hot and make it so at least to start the season, David Ross has got to pencil them into the lineup. Right. We'll see. So that, that see. I think is one of the most intriguing things, you know, because especially like you mentioned, Ian Happ, like I think there's versions of this team where he plays every day and there's versions where he only hits left-handed, right? Like I, 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 I genuinely don't know what their plan is for that and you've brought in some interesting names and guys you kind of want to see get an opportunity but there there's not too much there's not too much room for that especially as we talk about you know is Frank DHing is Wilson DHing to stay in there when Jan Gomes is catching is Nick Madrigal DHing if you want the best defensive middle infield you can have I do. There's a lot of questions. So I think that, I think those two outfield positions, eventually Suzuki will be playing every day in right field, how quickly they thrust him into that role. You know, how, how he's making these adjustments, getting comfortable seeing major league pitching. We'll see, but eventually that's going to be his spot. So that leaves you with two spots. And I got to tell you folks, they're not going to never play Jason Hayward. Right. So you don't know that. You don't know that I'm, Brendan, I've been waiting for that for years and it's just not going to happen. So, uh, anyway, that, that's, we'll talk about pitching in a second here, but who's playing the outfield, who's drawing those starts and is anybody kind of breaking out and and taking hold? That's something to watch over these next couple of weeks.
1: Okay. We have another ad read. I I think I'm doing pretty well with these ad reads. If I'm not like uh, redirecting memberships over here, then, uh, I'd be, I'd be surprised. Okay. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, Email pointsbet at chgo.com and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois. You can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem. Call 1 800 522 4700 Corey.
0: And again, don't forget to support all that we are doing at CHGO. You can get premium written content for all members and access to the members-only Discord when you sign up at allchgo.com. In addition to the content at allchgo.com, you're going to get podcasts and live shows on every team every day. I know the uh, Chicago Sky podcast just launched this past week. Chicago Fire Show is coming up. Blackhawks have been live doing trade deadline specials. The Bulls guys are on later tonight with a post game. So every team, every day, you get a free shirt when you sign up at allchgo.com and you are supporting uh, what Brendan and I are doing and, and all of our good yes. friends at CHGO. So Thank you. Want to get into the pitching here, Brendan. I know uh, you have some thoughts on Kyle Hendricks, some yeah. thoughts on Drew Smiley. Let's start I'm there. A, I, have a, I have a baseball here. We're oh, he's going to gonna do demos, I guys.
1: I'm nice. Oh. I'm nice. Oh, my God.
0: Um, <laughs> If you're listening on the podcast app, I, you know, you may be missing Brendan doing pitch grip demos, but yeah. that whether that's enticing to you is a separate question. It is. Um, since we last spoke, the Cubs added Drew Smiley. So this kind of litany of arms that they've added, I mentioned some of them, but you know, Chris Martin, Jesse Chavez, David Robertson, Robert Kesselman, Stephen Brawl dealing with an injury. So not sure when he's going to get in camp or, or be debuting, but Drew Smiley back with the Cubs organization, um, Tell me what, what you're seeing there. And, and, you know, this is, we joke that this is, you know, better for you because there's more of this stuff to dig into, but you know, what I'm, uh, what I'm hoping at least for listeners and and viewers here on YouTube is this is the group they're running with. So let's try to figure out how do these guys become their most interesting and productive selves. So for someone like Drew Smiley, what are you digging into? Okay.
1: So if we pull up, a graphic may come up here. I'm not sure. But if we pull up, there it is. Look at that. Okay. So if you're listening to this, thank you, Joey. If you're listening to this just on the podcast feed, you can go to YouTube and check us out. But what you're looking at here is the spin axis of Drew Smiley. So before we look at this graph, Smiley's projections for this upcoming season, they're not good. So he has an ERA of 4.8-ish for his projections, his FIP around the same territory, so they don't, they don't look good. But if you look at this particular graph here, you're seeing two things that pop out. The first is that that curveball, that curveball moves expectedly at like a six o'clock axis, but for some reason it moves unpredictably towards like eight and nine o'clock. That curveball is almost like a half slider, half curveball. And the whiff rate on that pitch is really high. So it's hard for righties to hit that pitch. Now, if you look at that fastball, that fastball also has a little bit of unexpected carry. So he has a little bit of seam shifted wake action on that. So what does this mean? Well, typically, if you have pitchers who have that type of fastball, you want more of like a spike curve action. That's what Rowan Wick has. So I'm wondering... If the Cubs are going to have success with Smiley, he did say, by the way, this is something that's worth noting, that among the other teams, uh, the Cubs are maybe at the forefront of pitching technology and just thinking. So he's been with a few different teams now since that happened. Maybe you changed the grip on that curveball. Maybe rather than moving more like a slider, maybe you have two versions of it. And one moves more like a 12-6 curveball. It complements that fastball. That's where you see the success with them. So... Smiley, you know, I, I honestly, I'm more interested in some of the other pitchers than, than Smiley, but I can see it working out. It's just going to take maybe some time for that pitch lab and Tommy Hadovy to work with them. But at least they had that previous relationship where they, they know what they have. They know how to communicate. And with this shortened spring training, that might come in handy.
0: Maybe one reason why they ended up even signing uh, Drew Smiley, Gorey. Well, so you say that there are guys that are more interesting to you. Who are we talking about?
1: I mean it's more so related to the bullpen but I'm like I'm extremely interested in Caleb Killian. Uh, you know, I got to kind of control my expectations here but doesn't walk anyone. Like his walk per nine was like, you know, 1.5ish last year. And he's throwing mid to upper 90s. He kind of has two fastballs going. He just changed his curveball grip. If that command lasts and these pitch changes Are actually going to be useful, as we saw in the AFL. Like maybe Killian's unexpectedly going to produce this year. So that that's that's one example. And then we talked about like Daniel Norris. Maybe he can come in as like a swing starter reliever. I think Daniel Norris is fascinating because of that changeup. I can see I can see it working. Again, is my confidence there? I'm I'm not sure. And then when you complement those possibilities, this this is where I I I get excited. When you complement those possibilities of Killian and Justin Steele, who by the way, is throwing those uh, up and in sinkers. Justin Steele looked
0: very good in his brain. Very good. Justin
1: Steele. Hopefully Alice Light comes back sometime in the summer, but just excluding them from that conversation for now, Justin Steele, Caleb Killian, Drew Smiley, Marcus Stroman, Wade Miley. Um, You know, this could work out and Kyle Hendricks too. There's another figure that maybe Joey would throw up here. Perfect. So, Kyle Hendricks last year, numbers looked fine. Velocity was fine. Change up peripherals were fine, maybe a little bit of inconsistent in that release point, but everything was as expected from previous years. But the one area he got shelled in was his change up. So, his change up whiff rate dropped by 50%. And, like, why would that drop by 50%? It got shelled for the first time in Hendricks' career. The change up gave up more runs than it prevented. First time ever. So what you're looking at, again, if you're listening to this on the feed, go to the YouTube channel, you're going to see uh, Hendricks' sinker heat map by count. If you look at this, when Hendricks is ahead of the count with two strikes, he is going backdoor to right-handed batters exclusively. He does not go down and in to right-handed batters with sinkers basically ever with two strikes. When he's ahead of the count, or rather behind the count, or getting started he's going up and in with that sinker. And this is a trend that's obvious when you're looking at this heat map. So there were discussions about Hendricks tipping pitches last year. Maybe that's that was the case, but I brought this example up, I think a few weeks ago when we were talking, but there was one example of Paul Goldschmidt who was just spitting on these changeups down and into Hendricks. And then, He hit that same changeup like a pitch later. I'm thinking to myself, how is he seeing this? Like Goldschmidt's one of the better hitters in the league, but how is he seeing this? If you're a hitter and the scouting reports are saying when Hendricks has two strikes, anything down and in is likely going to be a changeup, maybe that's where like the tipping kind of comes into play. So for me with Hendricks, if you change up that sequencing a little bit, perhaps I don't even know if this is true or not, right? You can see the data, make of it what you wish. That's the way I interpret it. But if you change up the sequencing, you get Hendricks back to that form in 2020, you get Strowman, who has, I think, massive potential beyond that three war. Miley's pretty consistent, and then you kind of mix and match the rest of the guys, even piggybacking some of the bullpen uh, pieces, in addition to Steele and killing and Drew Smiley. I can see the pitching being really interesting, and I I mean I'm excited about it. Like you can see, I'm excited about it. But I also understand it's not likely going to happen. But if it does happen,
0: Pretty cool. If it does happen, we'll remember to give you credit. Yeah. But, but if it doesn't, what if it doesn't happen? Are you going to well, me uh, out? yeah, well, no, I mean, it's just there. This is kind of a yearly exercise now with how the Cubs build pitching staffs, where you're looking at guys with like a five and a half ERA going, it I'm it into works. it. And I'm sometimes
1: like, it works. Sometimes okay. it doesn't work, but it's, it's all about, you know, your confidence that it's going to work for, Smiley, I'm not there. Even Norris, I'm not there. But I'm trying to at least figure out how you get there. And I can see, based on some previous examples, Ryan Taper, the entire bullpen of last year, I can see how it could work out. And there's a theme of the pitchers they're selecting, and those pitchers have worked out in the past. So I do think you have to take notice of this. It's a conversation worth having. I wish we had more predictable starters, right? Sure. This is our reality. We have to talk about how this could work out.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, again, so we're, you know, kind of wrapping up with spring training storylines, things we're watching and kind of narratives as we head into the season here. And I think, you know, for me, like Justin Steele is certainly one of, you know, at the top of these uh, things I'm looking for. He went two innings the other night. Uh, I think he had a walk and a couple strikeouts, um, but didn't allow any hits in those two innings. I would guess he gets that fifth spot. I'm not exactly sure how the Cubs are going to divide up those starts if it's it six five guys or whatever, but I'm assuming that it's him and Mills getting those last couple spots. And I'm intrigued because Steele represents one of those guys. You were hoping that Alzelay would be there too, but Steele represents one of those guys where if the Cubs are going to hit that kind of higher version of their projections, him taking that next step and being kind of a guy in this rotation is going to go a long way toward that happening. It's a bit yeah. of pressure to put on him. Uh, but I think, I think he embraces it. I think I he, think he loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, yeah, I think he, he you know, we saw that, um, you know, in that, I don't remember if it was his first outing, but he pointed to it as that like kind of big, I belong here in the big leagues moment against the Dodgers. When he got out of that jam kind of came off the mound. I'm on camera now. Right. So I can, you know, right. Um, but I think he's got that attitude and I think he represents the the ability to do that. I'm also curious, you know, the, the top three guys, Hendricks, Miley and Strowman, they're very different, even if they, uh, you know, generate some similar results at times, et cetera. I'm curious to see how those guys play off of each other. And, uh, you know, you for I, velocity, I, is that what you're saying? Or well, just? no, I, I mean like work with one another. Like oh, I'm yeah. curious, like when Marcus Stroman is talking to Kyle Hendricks about pitching and what they can learn from one another and Wade Miley too, like they're, they're different pitchers, but they're, they get some similar results and they've all experienced a lot of success in this league doing what they're doing. You know, you throw in Tommy Hattavi in in there and I'm curious to see what that looks like with these three guys. Working together again, like it's, you know, certainly easier when the rotation and just the pitching staff in general is more projectable. There's more power, things like that. But I I am rather intrigued to see how that all works out. I, I I would have to think, right. I I would be fascinated to hear Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman talk pitching with one another. I just think that would be a fascinating conversation. Um, to see and just just hear how they're going about things and what they can learn from one another, and you know, again, like maybe it doesn't work out all the time. It's it's a you know maybe some similar looks, but I'm intrigued at the very least.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but in that first start, don't
0: give me that smirk. I thought you uh, no no never mind.
1: You're, you're giving me that smirk. I don't want to see your smirk when I'm trying to give a valid point over here. Uh, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but in his, in Stroman's first start. Strike three, up and in sinker. Just saying, you know, like that's what Hendricks does. Like when we talk about Hendricks, he's the guy, not because he's a sinker baller, not because he has a good changeup. Hendricks came into his own when Mike Borzello and the rest of the pitching crew made him go up with fastballs. That changed his career. The up four seam and the seam shifted wake two seamer changed Hendricks he's not the same guy as he was in 2015 nor 2016 so even with that success he had he still made those changes and so for Stroman that's where I get excited about like all right like you can be that 2.53 war predicted picture uh, pitcher but there is room for growth and you do have a pitcher that kind of has a similar not completely similar but a similar way of attacking batters than Kyle Hendricks
0: yeah. so you know, and 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 just to kind of wrap things up on the pitching staff before we sign off here, I, I think, You know, just seeing how that bullpen shakes out, who's the closer? You know, we don't have an official word on that. I think Rowan Wick has looked good in some of the reports we've seen and the footage that we've seen. But you brought in some veterans. Chris Martin could certainly see those uh, duties. Givens could see them. But I don't think he's reported to camp yet. So people were kind of wondering today what exactly the deal with that is. Um, Braylon Marquez has arrived after dealing with some COVID stuff. Yep. I don't think he's going to be in contention to be the closer, but he'll probably be playing more of that like hybrid weapon role. Um, and it's it, his spot in particular. And, you know, cause I think Jesse Chavez got hit around in his first outing, someone like Chris Martin, you know, these guys are older. So it's, it's also worth remembering and monitoring like this period is unorthodox, right? So especially with the pitching staff, you may have to give it a second to kind of, settle in. These guys are working, uh, you know, they were in a lockout. I believe they were staying fit and ready and stuff, but we've even heard from some of the pitchers that there were times in the off season you didn't really know when to ramp it up. And I think it might've yeah. been Wade Miley or especially you hear from these yep. older guys where they'll tell you like, I can't start and then stop. So when we're in a lockout, even if it, even though they kind of are almost on time, you know, it's like a week delayed the MLB season, that's tough for older guys because they need to know pretty definitively start your conditioning, start your throwing, because they can't, they can't start and then be delayed by three or four weeks. It just doesn't work for them. We kind of heard that from John Lesser in the past too. So, you know, I'm not trying to lay the groundwork that things are going to be bad to start. I'm saying league-wide <laughs> with pitching, you kind of have to just be prepared that there may be some kind of – uh you know, creases to iron out just to get things
1: started. And to your point, Justin Steele said, you know, he, he's been ramped up for the past, I think he said three weeks. So he's ready to go. If he needs to multiple innings, whether that's three innings, I think he used the the word three innings, but you know, he's starting in spring. So compared to Wade Miley, who may not be ready, you know, as he said, at least he do have Justin Steele who's, who seems confident that he's hundred percent from opening day. So that's at least good to see.
0: Yeah, so that, you know, the how the pitching staff shakes out, I feel like we kind of have an idea what that one through five in the rotation is going to end up being. But a lot of roles to be earned and, you know, maybe moved yep. around in terms of the bullpen as far as where guys are ending up. And as yep. we've noted, interesting for David Ross uh, in, you know, his third season, second full season kind of to move all these pieces around because he's going to be doing a lot of moving.
1: Well, he said he used... The Giants has an example. Not to go back to this, but he's the one who was curious about it. So, this is going to be a crucial season for Ross. Like
0: David, you had you it. wanted uh, pieces to he move around. It. You got them because you, you have uh, very few. You know, like stable, just write them yeah. in the lineup every day kind of guys. But uh, I think that's that's what we have for you for this episode. Uh, as always, you know, Brendan and I will be on before and after every series once the season starts. Until then, we'll stick to uh, probably once a week. There was no need for an emergency podcast. Unfortunately, the Cubs didn't sign uh, Correa or any of those big names. But uh, the CHGO Cubs podcast that will sometimes feature me in studio, sometimes Brendan on video, live every day, Monday through Friday with Luke, Cody, Ryan, Kyle, and uh, a wonderful crew. And as always, again, uh chgo podcasts live shows every team every day post game shows premium written content at all you get a free shirt when you become a member and access to the members only discord so visit all and sign up today thank you guys for listening uh we will talk to you again soon and as always go cubs